Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon, and together with my husband, Marcus Dillon, we lead Who's Really the Boss podcast, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. Welcome back to another episode of Who's Really the Boss podcast. Hey, thanks for having me back. Today, we're talking all about how you stay calm in uncertain situations. So the focus is all on you. Maybe it always is, but (laughs) this conversation for sure. I won't say shoot from the hip, but I'll say speak from experience and current knowledge, not necessarily um, things that you go out and prepare a lot ahead of time, depending on the situation. But I think you like maybe find enjoyment from it and it gives me <laughs> it gives me anxiety <laughs> to even think about going into something without um you know having a preview of what it's going to be making a plan having seven backup plans and what we're going to do if it all goes wrong the flow chart yes that's right yeah. <laughs> that's what i said if we'll, if we go into a meeting i'm like i need a flow chart with 14 different if then scenarios and what <laughs> what's going to come after I don't think I've always been like this. I don't think I've, I'm like this in every aspect of my life. And so I, I think I am calm in situations I'm comfortable in. And the older, the more mature I get, I only want to be in those comfortable situations. So the calm goes throughout the day more, right? Um, it, it also, that's probably not all good because then you're not um, testing yourself. You're not doing things. And I do have other outlets to where I can get my um, heart rate up, you know, not anxiety, but just different adrenaline. Adrenaline, Yes. And so um, that's the balance. So I play where I feel comfortable. And if something doesn't feel comfortable any longer, I don't play. And so I think that's just where I'm at in my life and most likely my career as well. So um, the when doing something new, there's definitely uh, butterflies or whatever you want to call it, uh, anxiety, I guess is the word. And I've always tried to hold calm and steady, even if the the duck feet are paddling (laughs) underneath the water, right? Um, I also have to be careful, like a lot of our friends who are business owners and leaders, I have to be careful on what I say and what I share, because if you share too much and there's uncertainty or anxiety, you as the leader place that into the mind of other people that are in your presence are you know on the team or you know kind of in your care and that's where you have to be careful so would you rather follow a leader who is all over the place like a pinball and anxious or would you rather follow the leader that cool calm and steady and steady is what i've chosen yeah no i prefer that that's i think why we can work well together because if i freak out you're usually (laughs) calm. Uh, there's not so many times where I can reciprocate the opposite. So, um, but that's fine. But thinking about even just either new prospective client meetings or our scheduled monthly or quarterly CFO meetings that you lead, 
going into those meetings, there are all there are countless options of what could be discussed, of what could be asked, of what the outcome could be for that meeting. And a lot of times it really is giving the floor open to the client or prospect and you know what is keeping you up at night what is your current challenge and you have no idea what that's going to be if you've ever experienced it if you know how to navigate it and so what are some things that maybe even just what goes through your mind as you're getting on that call and they you know spill out the first topic of conversation yeah um for those that know me and whether you know me personally and we have uh a relationship one-to-one, or if you just feel like you know me through different podcast recordings or speaking or whatever that is, I'm selective is part of it. So when I ask that question, you know, what keeps you up at night and everything starts to spill out and I'm there, not with a bucket, but with a funnel. And I think that funnel helps me to pick one or two things that I can directly speak to versus all of the things that I could try to speak to. I feel the thing I, I take and build upon the response that I feel most confident as the person that's in that spot. So I've got the financial data, I've got the skill set to be able to talk into certain things, certain aspects of their life. I can have empathy. I could have other emotions to get them through um, and refer them on if it's something not related. But I feel really confident in those other ones to, to where I'm going to choose those 99 times out of 100 and speak to those. So if you came to me and you said, you know, there's this situation, my wife could be leaving me, my daughter um, is suicidal. Uh, I've got, I don't know, like they're going to take my, my business and my cash flow is, I'm going to be like, oh man, like that's really deep. Let's talk about the cash flow, you know? So it's, um, I will spend some time because you have relationship with that person to say, okay, let's talk about that, man. Like I, I am not an expert in those. I'm an expert in this other stuff. So the best use of our time together today we can cry it out or do whatever we want to on those really heavy things, but what can we solve for? Like, what can I help you really think through? And those pieces are what is comfortable for me, what I feel confident in. So that's what I'm going to gravitate to good or bad. It's probably not bad because I feel confident this other stuff. We're going to talk through it and I'm going to refer you on. Like you really need to work that out with somebody else. Like, let's cut this meeting short. And why don't you go call my friend down the road? Who's a therapist, you know, something else. Um, so all of that to say just how to handle those situations. And that's very hard for others to learn, um, without experience, without, without gaining perspective of being in those situations. And so, you know, we've got a faith background. We feel grounded and rooted in that, um, to where we know that we're placed in certain people's lives at certain times to be able to address whatever is going on. And sometimes that's just like in some of these meetings, whenever people start speaking, it's just a mirror. Like sometimes you can just be a mirror to somebody and start repeating back what they're telling you. And maybe them 
hearing it back in another's voice or in another context, like makes them, gives them perspective on what really should be discussed, what really should be talked about, how bad it really is. So, so that's some of the techniques that you could do. Um, I don't know if that helped or if that answered the question. Yeah, I was probably selective def- in how I answered it. So, <laughs> Well, maybe that's the trick of how you become more confident is that you, you just feel comfortable in knowing I answer the things that I know about and I don't try to answer the things that I don't know about. And that might come from building a network so that you know more people who know about things you don't know about and you can make referrals. I know for us, when I'm on the phone with a prospective client, it is so much easier to tell them, no, we don't do that, I'm not sure about it, if I have the name of a solution, whatever that might be. So if that's the name of another firm or the name of another software, the name of whatever it might be, it's so much easier and I have so much more confidence in giving that answer rather than saying no or I don't know. Those make me feel awful always in the back of my mind is that uh, we will bring the brand down. We will bring down the team of DBA with a negative review because we didn't handle something correctly. So I think that's part of it. And then just touching on the point of letting people speak it out. So listening, just being a person who can listen. I'm, I just finished a book, which I have recommended that you should read, um, called Life in Life is in the Transitions by Bruce either Feeler or Failer. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, um, but it's really good. And he says that the more we tell stories, the more we reframe them and change just a little bit about how we're telling them. And a lot of times when we're telling those stories, when we're in it, like it's happening currently that we don't get to a positive outcome but the more time that passes and the more time that we tell that story we will then start to end those stories with the positive things and add on but these are the good things that came out of it so finding the gratitude within you know that challenge or whatever it might have been so yeah being a just someone who can listen to those things allows people to start reframing what they thought about that story um, into something yeah. different. Well, framing um, framing a response in a story, there's a lot of value in that. I mean, obviously that's part of the New Testament uh, <laughs> and, and why uh, teachings were that way. And uh, you can put yourself, you can remember it better, even the way certain books are written more as a play or as a narrative versus black and white, you know, study. I don't do well with black and white, with study, with analytics. So there are certain even like books that are recommended to me that are very hard um, for me to read just because it's too much data. And part of my journey since you opened it up, like how I, I wasn't always this way. I think it is through trial and error, through life experience that someone becomes a way that they are. And I remember whenever I was leaving the last firm I was a part of as a W-2 employee and we were starting a business. Uh, For those of you that may not know that, I actually felt frustrated with the different options available for sale through brokers and different things like that. So I actually wrote snail mail letters with my resume to older CPAs that I 
gained knowledge of their age through the state board's website, did research, kind of pulled some data, saw where they live, saw if they owned a practice, correlated that to where if we wanted to live there one day and sent out about 40, 50 letters, prayed over those, and they ended up in the right hands. Of those, people reached out, whether they wanted to sell me their practice, wanted just to have a conversation, wanted to hire me. I remember one of those lunches from somebody that just wanted to hire me. And it was a CPA in the same town, Katie, where we're at. And he was toward the end of his career, but he just wanted to hire me. He saw me as his eventual exit, not immediate. And his approach to life was, I passed the exam, the CPA exam, that gives me a a license to do whatever I want. I can do anything for anybody, financial related, tax related, accounting related, audit, anything like that. I've never been that way. And partly why this probably didn't connect and go anywhere is because of that approach. I would lose sleep whenever we overextended ourselves in the early days of DBA because we were just trying to get clients or cash flow in and we said yes to things that we needed to say no to. So now it's kind of come full circle where we're very focused. We're very narrow on who we work with, who we feel called to serve. And during those early days, it was not calm. It was, it, there was a lot of anxiety about, did I do this right? That's what keeps you up at night. Like to where we're at today, I can sleep. I don't sleep well because I'm getting older and in pain and certain aches and <laughs> you know, I don't know what's going on there, but I can lay my head on the pillow at night and fall asleep because I'm not anxious about, are we doing things the right way or wrong way? That just goes back to the confidence that we have by letting the right people in the door from the very beginning, from a client and a team member perspective. And so I go back to that conversation and that memory of sitting across from that person and, and trying to hide my emotion of what he just told me that passing exam sometime in his career gave him the license to do whatever he wanted. And, um, that's just not how I, how I thought. Yeah. So when you don't know specifically, um, an answer to a challenge or something, a problem that's presented, what, what are your techniques to work through that during that conversation? Because it's, you can't ignore it completely with me questions you don't want to answer often you will just ignore completely and and try to move on but with clients you never do that so what are some techniques that you do to try to go deeper move around it find out what almost find out why they're sharing it with you as their accountant cfo role uh the great thing is they're sharing it one the way i think they're sharing it because they feel comfortable to share it and it's not they're not oversharing a lot of times like the people that share stuff with us it's like they know us well enough that we genuinely care uh, enough about them and so if things are going on personally that impact the business like they they know that we want to know that because we can step up in the business and address different things and kind of put things in perspective so um i think I think that way first, like, why are they bringing this to me? It's not to put it on me. Like they don't want to put their burden on me. Um, I'm not that guy. I'll just shake it off. And so they are coming to me with the comfort and ultimately whether they know it or not, they are asking us 
for guidance on on that somehow, some way or what to do. The part that you had mentioned, if I can go back to it, you had, why are they bringing this to me? How do I pivot? How do I address it even if I don't? I've seen where I've gotten kind of lax in this. When I'm on my game, I will address the question and respond, not immediately, not within seconds, but pretty quickly and say, I don't know the answer or I need to figure out the answer. I need to do more research. Give me a little bit of time and I'll get back to you or let me delegate that to the right person on our team or the right person within our network to do that. When I'm, on, when I'm at my best, I do that pretty quickly because for me, someone's throwing me a ball and I don't want to hang on to this ball. I have no business playing a game with. So I want to get that ball into the right hand. So when I'm on my A game, I do that fairly quickly, delegate it to the team. If it's something that I'm uniquely qualified to do or I want to do it, then I may even respond and say like, great question. I have some initial thoughts, but let me think about this a little bit more as it relates to your specific situation and get back to you. Is that a delay technique? Is that procrastination? Is that building value, maybe, uh, you know, I could probably rattle off the answer really, really quick. And I used to do that early in my career at all times of day and all times of night, immediately respond with the answer, not give much thought, but just go off the hip. And I think that downplays the value of the response. Like maybe, maybe it is the right answer, but you haven't thought through it completely thought through other scenarios. Um, so you have to be careful when doing that too. I think a lot of times you follow up with questions. So to clarify what they're really saying or what they're really asking for. And then sometimes through those questions, they or you guys together identify a better solution, like a better option than the one they were initially considering. So just more options are available. I was just talking to us prospective client this week and they the one of the reasons that they are were calling us and leaving their cpa was because he said he never knows the answer to anything every time he asks him a question it's i need to find out um you know i need to research that i need to find out i need to check and i had to stop myself because we've already discussed this um you know through recordings before that a lot of times that is your best answer because there are different scenarios that need to be ran to make sure these are there there are four options and you know this is going to be your best the reason as i did not say anything and just listened um was he never got back to them so he's like so even my last question he told me what that question was and then said i still haven't heard the answer on that and so it wasn't so much about not you know as the expert as the authority that's not taken down at all by saying i need to find you the best answer or i need to research that it's taken down when you never follow up if, if you don't follow up if you never find the answer or um don't feel confident enough to give what your opinion is on what the best option and don't give another suggestion on who would be a better expert yeah. to give that answer. Yeah, no, that's, that's 
great. And time and time again, our industry is that because we're just so busy doing things that nobody values. Um, nobody values that tax return, by the way. You know, it's one of those like, I know that you're spending all the hours of the day doing it. They may pay you for it, but ultimately, if you weren't doing it, they'd get somebody else to. So I think those are the pieces like where you personally add a lot of value is in relationships. And not answering is we are the worst as far as an industry in doing that because we're too busy it it go like we don't have a way to document that question we don't just don't remember it um so partly that and then partly maybe avoidance like i'm not gonna answer that question because i don't know how to answer the question and to go find to go find the right person to answer that question would be work and i, I don't have time to do that either so that's part of it the other piece that we see too with even members of our team is like a question may be asked and our team puts the technical hat really quickly on and jumps into like a full-on research project and you have to be able to be like whoa 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 like four hours to research the the tax implications of x y and z like are we really sure that that's what they're doing like this is all hypotheticals over here like are we really sure that that's the best result? Um, it would be like me calling, you can't even call a doctor, call a doctor and say, hey doc, you know, my hamstrings are really tight and I can't, <laughs> I can't do uh, deadlifts anymore. And when I do deadlifts, my wife lifts more weight than me on deadlifts as we saw today in the gym. And I'm getting made fun of, and I think I think there's something wrong only, here. Only made fun of by your wife. Yeah, yeah still made yeah. fun of. Um, I think something's wrong here. And so if that doctor, if he said, "Well, I think you have a torn meniscus or something is strained," or if he told me that without an examination, an MRI, uh, just some additional steps, some additional considerations that's probably not the right answer, right? It may be the right answer given his experience and his judgment out of this, out of the like ailments, but it, it probably is not. And so if we apply that to our setting, giving that answer really quick, you may be doing yourself a disservice uh, in the long run. Yeah. What are some things that have helped build your confidence from a knowledge from being confident enough to share your opinion, maybe in the form of, well, this is what I would do. So what are some things that you've done either recently or over the years that have helped develop that confidence yeah. to be able to do that? I think the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. Uh, and so the more opinionated you are earlier on in life comes from a place of probably insecurity or lack of knowledge. And I think the more that we learn, the more that we travel, the more that we see different cultures or different things, you start to realize it's, you know, you're, where you were raised or where you were planted initially is such a small bubble than the world as, as a whole. So I think that perspective that is gained just over time is valuable. And there are ways to accelerate that perspective through reading, through listening to podcasts, through self-development, whether that is uh, things that are outside of your comfort zone. You don't want to always play within your comfort zone because that's, that's easy. And I think if you were to 
try to learn the best technique to, to shoot free throws and you've mastered that, why are you still trying to learn how to shoot free throws if you're making a high majority? So then you start to look at what, where are your weaknesses and not saying that you're going to lean into your weaknesses and start a business around those weaknesses and forego your strengths. You're always going to get more results out of playing up your strengths regardless of the situation. So can you do things like in my situation, you know, investing in um, different speaking, different leadership, different coaching, coaching and mentoring and things like that are where I've been able to accelerate perspective. And I'm still fairly young. I don't (laughs) care what the girls say. That That accelerated perspective is the same as somebody that has just consume life without much development. I think even um, in in our case, what we've seen, even just nurturing relationships of others around us. So, you know, people similar to us as far as maybe similar in age or um, other business owners, but just really developing those relationships just gives you kind of more ammunition when you go into those meetings and are talking to small business owners because a lot of the challenges that come with it one if you have similar maybe personal life makeup of you know parents or maybe something like that and then business owners a lot of those challenges kind of repeat themselves and so if you haven't experienced them likely somebody you know has experienced them and you know you've talked through it so not head down, you know, only in work or thinking that you're only going to find this confidence by, you know, doing another CPE or reading another book. That's, that's maybe not where it comes from when you're dealing with people, you know, when you're dealing with one-to-one person. Yeah, no, that's great perspective. Uh, I'm not, I don't have the budget or the amount of lives to do every experiment that I've ever thought about. And so I think seeing experiments play out, whether they're in business or life from others that have successfully walked through those or unsuccessfully and you know what to avoid, that is worth so much. And that's where I thrive on relationships where I can be in a room with others who are trying new things and things don't work, things do work because I don't have nine lives. I don't have three lives. This is a video game. So it's like, how can we do this in a way and navigate all that life has to offer the best way we know how? And that's through, you know, development, having a relationship with others and continual learning uh, is what I've seen. And so given that, I think, that has shaped me into who I am to feel confident in certain situations, which that confidence creates calm on the outside. And you have to hide uh, true feelings sometimes. Like if you're not calm, you have to know how to deal with that and cope with that and make it through. Yeah. And I know for me, for someone who doesn't really like going into uncertain situations, I don't feel super confident all the time going into those situations. It's nice to have that reminder that half the things that you think are going to go wrong are never going to go wrong. Um, The other, you know, small 
part that could go wrong, it's not going to be that big of a deal if it does go wrong. Um, and there's there's always a way <laughs> to come back from it, even if it is the worst mistake you know ever. Even if you have a call scheduled with someone that you think is a phone call or a video call, and they show up in person at your office <laughs> and you're not there. So always a way to Come you just back don't and, have the office and fix that relationship yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there's ways to navigate that and shut it down, end it gracefully, <laughs> move on, which I would have done in that situation. I mean, ultimately they became a client, which is so crazy. But I feel like that's a win for me. Yeah, they <laughs> somehow, really wanted to become a client. Somehow we made that work. <laughs> but I, I think it's you made you made it through and i even told you that that day it's like you handled the situation as best you possibly could have given the cards you were dealt and you just you got to put one foot in front of the other and you have to do it in a way that gives that gives confidence to those around you i've said that word a lot i've said perspective a lot today um but i think that's ultimately whenever you started the question like how i remain calm collected is through those two things and for me that just kind of built my confidence for the future for going forward because now in my mind i'm like i mean really that one ended up being fine we we ended up having the conversation and we ended up having subsequent conversations after that and so in my mind one of the worst things that could potentially happen for a first impression with a prospect happened and it ended up being just fine. So now there's fewer things that I can play out that could go wrong, you know, to worry about or have anxiety over because I've already been through something bad, made it out just fine. So for the next one, not not really a reason to make up so many freak out scenarios. Over the years, and those memories stick with me. So this memory of not showing up or miscommunication around where it will only build a better process because there will be checks and balances, follow up. This is a phone call versus in the office. No one is in the office. Don't go to the office. If you go to the office, please clean the windows like something. <laughs> um, there, there will be better on the other side of that. But this was a good conversation. And I think our whole team um, appreciates your leadership in this area of don't freak out before it happens because it may not happen. You may be literally wasting your time freaking out about things that are, you know, more than 50% not going to be the case of what happens. Um, be present in the moment. And if you don't know the answer, just say, I will find out for you and get back to you and then get back to them. So I think that that has um, given a lot of us just some peace around what the expectations are and how to handle ourselves when we go into unknown situations. Yeah. I, all my cards are on the table now. So. <laughs> all right. Well, I will see you on the next. All right. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. Leave us a review with your thoughts, comments, and feedback on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.